Hello, and welcome to The Age Guide, perspectives on the aging journey. We are here to be your personal age guide and enhance your quality of life on the road ahead. The month of February is both Disability Month and Women's History Month. In honor of this, we acknowledge the many older adult women caring for a loved one with disabilities. Today, there are nearly one million households in which someone age 60 or older is caring for an adult with an intellectual or developmental disability. And the vast majority of those caregivers, 75%, are women. They spend on average 40 hours a week, the equivalent of a full-time job in caregiving. In the next episode of our caregiving series, we interview Nancy Hamilton, who is caring for her adult son who has a developmental disability. Hear about her journey as a caregiver through the many challenges, emotions, and the rewards that go with it. Nancy puts a face on caregiving and gives her unique perspective in the intersection of disability, caregiving, and aging. Let's listen in. Alrighty. Um, welcome, Nancy. Thank you so much for joining us today. I know you are a very busy caregiver with a lot on your plate, and um, it's especially um, appreciated this time of year with the holiday season and so much going on. Um, thank you for being here with us. We're excited to hear about your caregiving journey. Um, I understand that you are a caregiver caring for an adult um, with some disabilities. Can you um, tell us a little bit about your personal caregiving journey? Sure. <laughs> um, well, it's actually been a, a long caregiving journey. Um, my son is uh, th- 35 years old. He was born with disabilities. And um, so it's, uh, you know, everything's been a little bit um, a more of a little different. I and you know, some I guess you could call it a challenge, but it's been different. Um, just things that you had to watch out for that as even as a young child that you didn't with other children, you don't have to watch out for. Um, so it's been challenging in the meantime. I my job was also being a caregiver. <laughs> I was I was I'm retired as from a, as a nurse. Oh, okay. Um, uh, so I kind of um, have been a caregiver forever. <laughs> um, but so it's the challenges. I it just, there's so much with someone with any kind of special needs, whether it's, you know, someone with a younger person with disabilities, a child with disabilities, um, anybody with any kind of medical problems, you have extra planning you have to do. You have, um, and that's kind of been, not a challenge you get used to it i mean you, mm-hmm. we try to look look at things with humor you know that's <laughs> that smart. you try try to because it's like one time somebody asked me how i could joke about certain things like what's my alternative to be sad and crying and angry all the time so you find try to find the humor in situations and yeah uh, so definitely that's that's interesting, like um, the way you describe having been a caregiver forever. I mean, it was your job, it was your role, and then you were a mother. Mothers are caregivers and they're caregiving, but your situation was a little bit different because you had the added um, stressors of some disabilities right from the beginning, I guess. Um, and we um, at Age Guide, we work uh, mostly with older adults. Um, a lot of older adults are caregiving. Um, and as parents of children with um, disabilities, 
disabilities as um, the parents age, uh, the individual with disabilities continues to need care um, and they don't necessarily leave home. They may be um, staying at home for an extended time in their life. They may need extra help and parents just continue to provide that um, even as they're aging and maybe needing some help at home. So it's kind of a unique um, niche for caregivers, those um, older adults, um, you know, anybody over 50 who's caring for a loved one with a disability has some unique challenges that maybe other caregivers come to this um, unexpectedly later in life. Um, but you've been doing this for a really long time. And some of that probably gives you some great expertise, a good sense of humor, it sounds like. You have your ways of dealing with it. But I know um, that being a caregiver for somebody with disabilities can also be kind of relentless um, and it can take a toll and it can be kind of exhausting. Not that you don't love the person to death and you would do anything for them, but it does um, you know, impact you as a person. Have yeah, you definitely. experienced some of that yourself definitely so one of the things I I don't know whether I had told you this before my husband is also disabled he had oh, stroke. okay so it's kind of with being older getting as we're getting older physically it's getting harder for more difficult I think for everybody as far as patients trying to get things done everybody needs something you know you know? Yeah, so you're and, caring and, for two people and you don't have the support that you used to have from your husband and caring for your son, I imagine. Right, right. So, I mean, there's a little, I can go for short periods of time, like to the grocery store by myself. That's really, you know, it was like when you're excited to go to the grocery store. <laughs> um, then you know have, that you need some respite and you need to get yeah, out more. Yeah. So it's like, um, I know we've um, t- just trying to make sure that, you know, I sit down and eat after I make sure everyone's gotten their food, you know, like little things that you don't think of should yeah. be, uh, should be an automatic. Oh yeah. You can sit. No, you can't. You can't just go to the store and not expect a phone call or, you know, right. <laughs> so there's a lot of, um, you have to consciously make, make an effort to be aware of, okay, no, I need to sleep and make everyone aware. I need to do this first you know mm-hmm. um, and like you said it's not that you you know that these, a lot of these things are not within something they can help but also there are certain times that you just need to let them know okay I need I need to prioritize you know like okay bills got to be paid so making Legos is not the priority you know? right. <laughs> um, uh, or making dinner we have to make sure we eat dinner because uh and I, and I think that happens no matter whether it's a, a disabled adult child, you know, adult or uh, a spouse or a parent, I think caregiving becomes so, I sort of want to say, it, it becomes your whole life where you have to make, remind yourself, okay, other things need to be, I need to be done. And especially for parents or people who have other children or other family members, they need attention too. <laughs> So you, when Andy was younger, you had other kids and you were trying to balance all of that. And now you've got Andy and your, your husband who both need right. some care. So can you tell us a little bit about Andy? So Andy is, like I said, he's 35 years old. Um, he was uh, a little bit early. He had a birth injury. Okay. I don't know whether it's like he's adapted. I don't know whether that's um, oh, something. Okay. Because at the time I worked in NICU, but um, oh. we... 
we I couldn't have I mean we had gone through a lot of treatments and stuff and um didn't think I was ever going to have kids and so it was like meant to be I was I was a NICU nurse and he was their first special needs baby to place so you could and because you were a nurse you kind of knew what you were getting into but it's always a different journey than what you expect when you have a child with some disabilities there's no way to predict what they're going to be able to do and there's no manual that comes with them right Right. And there's, and it just like as uh, appearances, I mean, because Andy looks, doesn't look like he has anything wrong with him. Okay. He doesn't wear his diagnosis on his face. Yeah. Along with, because he, he also has, I mean, he has epilepsy, he's had seizures. We're finally under control. I'm backing on some wood. Um, It only took 33 and a half years, but, um, but because that was something that was always um you had to be aware of safety for i mean he has a vagus nerve stimulator he's on a lot of medication but he would still seize and be like so even if he did activities usually i had to kind of be around or you had to make sure there was someone who was comfortable right with what to do um so it was i mean things like special olympics he qualified for state for winter games a couple times and the one time we got there. He's all excited because they, they have a parade down the main street of Galena, and he was so excited. Well, then he had a seizure. Hmm. Like, okay, well, let's wait till you see how you feel. Then he had another one. It's like, okay, maybe I'll walk with you down the main street. Okay, then he had another one. It's like, and I think he ended up having like five. It's like, we ended up not going to anything. We ended up going home the next day. <laughs> so it hmm. just was. It was a really long night, and I, I, I don't know. It was, there was also a snowstorm. So I didn't feel like driving home from Galena. And I don't know, I guess there is hospitals west of Galena that are closer than Rockford, but I, I don't, I'm not familiar with the area. And it's like, I don't know what else to do. So, yeah, so when I, you have somebody who's medically fragile like that, it can be scary to go on a trip basically. Yeah. And this was something that was really important to him that he was really excited about doing that special Olympics is supposed to be for him right. to be and able then, to experience some normalcy in his life, right. And compete in the games. And then he yeah. ended up not being able to, and you were stressed out and that's, it was just, it was a long night. Cause I, I mean, I talked to his, I could talk to his doctor um, like, okay, how much, you know, safely, how much of certain meds can I give? Um, it's just that it, and maybe we should, you know, in retrospect, like maybe we should have, I think we were all so tired by the well, next yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. That's like, a lot to go through <laughs> and then try to do something major the next day. That's too much. Yeah. You do, you do a lot of second guessing, I guess, or like in retrospect, maybe I would have done something different, but you do the best yeah, you can. You can't, exactly. You can't do that to yourself because there's so many things like that that will come up in life, you know, with somebody who's got some special things going on. That's always challenging as a mother to not feel that guilt, but um, you have to release yourself from that guilt sometimes. It's not easy. But no, that was a good example. Um, I appreciate that. Just to sort of like put it in perspective of what life is like when you try to do something special and it doesn't always work out the way that you'd like it to. And um, that was supposed to be like a really fun thing for your family. And and it didn't quite work out that way. And and there's like tons of stories we could go about, you know. Well, we were going to, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to, no, we're not going to do that. (laughs) But that's just part of having with someone with, with with certain things like epilepsy or other illnesses. On our last episode, we'll interview John and Sandy Miller, 
co-founders of the Sounds Good Choir to learn how this unique choir offers respite to caregivers of all ages while helping people with dementia and other disabilities connect to music and artistic expression. After you've been there for 30 or 45 minutes, the people with memory loss, their brains start to wake up and the singing switches them on. And then he said, for the rest of the rehearsal, you can't tell who has dementia and who doesn't. And you, there's no way to know this other than you gotta come see, gotta it. see it. So I was like, okay, sign us up, let's go. Yeah. And we cried all day. It was one of the most beautiful things we'd ever seen. And in our life now, we see that all the time. We see exactly that. Um, you know, that our singers, you know, spend the rehearsal with us. And by the end of the rehearsal, they are cognitively and behaviorally in a very different place than they were when they walked in. And of course, you'll get to hear clips from the Sounds Good Choir woven throughout the episode. We hope that this leaves you with a song in your heart and a better understanding of the difference caregiver and dementia support programs can make. One of the things with seizures versus some of the other chronic um, conditions that kids have is there's, you have no control. You have no inkling that things are going to happen. So it's not like oh. of watching what you're eating or right. you know, avoiding triggers for something whatever. simple like that where you could plan and, yeah. and control the walking. environment. You can't control that seizure. Yeah. Walking into Disney World, it's like, if you, if, you know, we got really good at kind of being nonchalant if he had short seizures, you know, just go in a wheelchair and you'll wake up in a little while, you'll feel better mm. and you die. But if people see you, they call 911 or whatever. It's like walking into Disney World. Um, no, he'll be fine. We're just going to sit here for a few minutes. And he had another one. Well, now we have to call the paramedics. Like, really? We're sitting in front of Disney World entrance. Oh, <laughs> and then you get stuck there waiting for yeah. <laughs> medical well, help that you don't actually need. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's like, do you want to go to the hospital? No, no, because they're, what do we, you know, I try to avoid because. Sure I know hours better hours and hours yeah. and they and they tend, to, they tend to over sedate anyway when and mm. I get it that they don't they're not used to seeing someone like if you're used to I'm used to his seizures yeah so I know I know when when he I needs need some more help and when he yeah. doesn't but they're going to just have to use their medical protocol and if you call right. them they're going to have to get seriously involved that's tricky yeah and so does the therapy dog help um to yes. let you know when a seizure is coming or yes yes he has actually um done with and he's been in activities and with one of the activities he was doing gymnastics and oh good for him um, we, we tried it it would it was we should have done it when he was younger it was like but um Hyatt wouldn't settle his dog wouldn't settle wouldn't settle wouldn't settle and he was just he's normally would just like lay there when because he had to stay by me because he couldn't be on the mat when they're okay and but he wouldn't settle and some of the other parents were like that's weird he's never like that and he had a whopping seizure oh. and it was like okay that's why he was just he was just really hyper because he anticipated it I mean, he, he's very good at like coming to get somebody if he, if Andy seizes, but this good. was a very definite, he anticipated, he knew something was wrong before anybody else did. Gosh, and, that's good. And, and Andy has no warning. So we could be in the middle of a conversation and else he just okay goes out, you know? Okay. So now and the dog so, can kind of give you a heads up. You can get Andy to sit down or take a right. break if he's doing an activity. Oh, that's good. <laughs> but so Hyatt was trained in prison and, um, uh, 
and it's it's a, it's to me it's a great program because they help so many people they help, help so many beings i mean they take because a lot of the dogs are rescue dogs um they're helping the prisoners they're helping the college students and other people with i mean because it's it's just kind of a, a cool thing you know yeah it's really learn. a lot of pieces of the community coming together to make this right. work that's very right. cool what so a neat it, organization so it's um you know purely like donations like so we go they have a big fundraiser every fall they have a walk oh nice so we go to that every year um, oh that's good we'll have to put a link to that organization in our show notes so that people can find them if they okay. want to donate because it's it's just really it's really cool i mean there's so many people who um have had have the ability now to go places that they couldn't i mean because be more I, independent I mean, because yeah. of the dog I mean, the dogs can, um, one of the families we got to know, I mean, um, the person is in a wheelchair and the dog is able to like put his foot back on the, on the footrest, um, can open doors, open refrigerators, go wow. get water, go get meds for you. I mean, that's to me is amazing. That and it, is. Gives, it gives that ability to be a little more independent in the, um, yeah, I guess, I don't know. It's just, it's such a great thing. That's really neat. I think we need more of those therapy dogs. I'm thinking like a lot of older adults who are aging and starting to have trouble being independent in their home could really use a pet that could help them with things like that. That's yeah. interesting. It's, it's it's really, and I know there's other organizations. I just have a really soft spot for them because they have been, I mean, they're with the challenges. Uh, they've helped us with things like where, um, where some people who are cognitively or otherwise don't have problems but have physical problems that the dogs can help. But we've been able to find workarounds for some of the challenges that we have. Oh, that's so, neat. Yeah. That's very cool. And that gives you a little bit of respite too, knowing that the dog is keeping an eye on things and can help Andy with some things that otherwise you would have had to help him with. Right. So that's really nice. AgeGuide is hosting its annual Advocacy Breakfast Collaborative. We invited elected officials, aging network providers, local partners, and concerned citizens to a community discussion about current issues facing older adults, caregivers, and families in Illinois. Join us virtually Monday, March 13th at 10 a.m. and in person Friday, March 17th at 9 a.m. at Senior Services Associates in Aurora. Please go to ageguide.org to sign up today. We hope to see you there. Have you um, received any other kinds of community-based services over the years or, you know, to help you as a caregiver get some respite care or some support at home? Anyone who, you know, people who are qualified or who are willing to help. Uh, um, I've been trying, so mainly our main thing has been stuff through special rec. Okay. Um, now that seizures are a little more controlled, I, I've been able to, um, let them be at a thing for two hours without me there. Other parents are probably one of the best supports you have and sources of information. I mean, like not encouragement, I guess, even too, not to give up when things are, you know, because one of the things that as with any person with any whether it's a senior or someone with disabilities the denial of services 
over and over again and it's kind of just persevere 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 maybe it'll work you know but that's try to find the right thing that you qualify for with your unique situation can be can be challenging I worry also about like if um, long term yeah, I think that's a, a major concern of a lot of parents of adults with disabilities is what's the long-term plan and who's going to be there um, for the long-term. That can be um, incredibly stressful to think about and to find resources to help with that kind of planning can be challenging too. So we definitely will want to share um, some resources with you, but um, there's no simple solution or easy answer. I know no. <laughs> it's challenging. No, just yeah, you know, I just... I guess you know. I just try to we try to end each day with thinking of something we're grateful for. You try to come up with, and some days it's like you got to come up with three things we're grateful for. But um, I think it kind of keeps everyone's perspective. You know, you kind of yes, there are things that are not going good, or there's things that are you, know, you would rather have X, Y, or Z. But you have a roof on your over your head. You're warm in the winter. You're cool in the summer. You have a lot of fun things to do. You have people who love you. So try to be yeah. I and mean, try to look at the positives. So we always make a joke about we try to make lemonade. Out. But like one time we were at a hotel and Andy had a seizure in the pool and they didn't have a wheelchair. But you know what works really good? Luggage carts. Oh my goodness. So we always bring up luggage so you carts. You make do luggage carts <laughs> symbolize luggage cart making do really with well. what you can find. Yes. Yeah. So we, we like bring up things like that, like just to try to make. It's not like you're making fun of it, but it's like you try. Got to look at the light side of things. Yeah, because. good for you. That's a really good attitude that you have, Nancy. I appreciate that. It's, I mean, everybody needs to have that kind of attitude in life. And you've definitely learned that through a lot of life experience, sounds like. Yeah. Wow. Well, I really appreciate this interview. It was really insightful. And I appreciate you sharing your story with us. And um, we'll send some resources and we'll put some resources in the show notes and um, we'll share it with you so that you know when it's coming out. But um, thank you so much for joining us and and sharing your story and Andy's story. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to The Age Guide, Perspectives on the Aging Journey. We hope you learned something new on this podcast because we all have a stake in promoting a high quality of life for people on their aging journey. AgeGuide coordinates and administers many services for older adults in Northeastern Illinois. We serve DuPage, Grundy, Kane, Kankakee, Kendall, Lake, McHenry, and Will Counties. Our specially trained professionals are available to answer questions and connect you with local service providers and resources. In addition to the Sounds Good Choir, AgeGuide, in partnership with other agencies, offers many other caregiver support services that include access to counseling, legal services, training, and support groups, as well as financial assistance for supportive services such as respite care. All of these services are tailored to each unique caregiver based on an individual assessment called T-Care. If you are interested in these services or wanna learn more, go to our website at ageguide.org. Call our offices at 630 630- 293-5990. Please follow our podcast so when we post our monthly podcast, you are notified on your streaming account. Thank you, and we will see you next time.
on the Age Guide, Perspectives on the Aging Journey.